Lord God, uh, we, we uh, praise you. We praise you and um, we pray that you can help us to understand Psalm 150 and also our vision to uh, be a church that inspires the creatives. Amen. Back in 2011 and 12, I met with a career advisor. Um, I met him at a wedding and he was just sitting opposite me at the reception and his name was Brian Gardner and he um, offered to meet with me regularly. Um, uh, after I talked to him for a while, I thought, this guy really is helpful in terms of his ability to help you think sharply about what you're on about as a person. Um, he said to me um, over, the, over the reception, he said, you want to know what Peter Caroline PTYLTD is all about? That's what, that's what he kind of said to me. And usually I kind of don't like that sort of stuff, but I thought, no, I'm excited about this. So we met, and we ended up meeting for over a year in his office in um, um, uh, Queen's, uh, where, Elizabeth Street, or wherever it was, in the city. And um, he, we went through all these processes, and um, he came up with this kind of uh, a description of who I am and what I've got to offer the world. <laughs> and um, it sounds strange to say this, bit of, um, but anyway, I'll say it. Um, the three things he came up with was entrepreneurial church leader, leadership, communication, including written and ver- um, verbal and spoken, and mu- music. And he said, Peter, if you can find a job which allows you to do all those three things, then you're going to love it. Right? So that sort of helped me um, to, to decide back then that, yeah, really, I wanted to be a church planter. Because one of the things about church planting is you get to kind of shape the ministry and the role around kind of the, th- the gifts that you've got. Um, this, this became part of what assured me to do um, a church plan. And w- here we are in 2015, and I can tell you for absolute sure, sureness, uh, that I am feeling a huge amount of job satisfaction, um, the most I've ever felt. To be honest, the, the dual pursuits of music and um, teaching the Bible and ministry I think have been part of my life for a really long time. Uh, I've been packing up my house um, because we're about to move to our new house in North Detroit. And I've found all this stuff from my past. I found my old year 12 results, which is kind of a bit weird, dwelling on the the memories. And my two strongest subjects back in 1993 were music and texts and traditions, which is like a Bible study um, kind of subject. And I thought, that's pretty funny, isn't it? 22 years ago, even back then, this kind of shape that I, I'm in um, was, was kind of that trajectory I was on back then. And with hindsight, like maybe God was setting me up for this kind of life that I'm living now. This is all by way of explaining part of what caused me um, in our vision process 18 months ago with um, the Mary Creek Leadership Team to do our Tony Abbott captain's call. And that captain's call was at the last second as we were forming the vision statement to say, I want us to be a church that inspires creatives or the creative people, the creative classes. Um, Because I know that for me, when I talk to musicians, when I talk to artists and poets and writers, filmmakers, even people who are not necessarily doing it themselves but are passionate about those things, that I get excited and they get excited and I, I find it really easy to connect with those people. And I thought, well, this is my one chance of being able to make that part of what the whole purpose of my ministry is all about. So I made that captain's call and, and I'm so glad because it's turned out that this church is a church that connects with the creatives, um, the creative classes. What do I mean by that? It sounds a little bit elitist, but I'm not 
meaning it to sound elitist. Melbourne's inner north is one of Australia's kind of centres for creativity. Um, if you look at the communities of the city of Yarra and Darabin, which is kind of where we were on the kind of border of both of those two um, areas, you see boutique shops, you see live music, you see um, you know, people dressed like artists, even if they're not. You see um, a value of contemporary design and fashion. You might have seen in an article in The Age just recently um, that I shared on Facebook that the centre of country music in Australia is not Tamworth, but Northgate. And that's based on the number of songs that are written and registered with APRA, the copyright organisation. Um, and if you broaden that, that, the genre to kind of independent music and rock and roll and blues and jazz, it's Brunswick, North Fitzroy, Clifton Hill, Northcote, that's the centre of Australia where the songwriters live. I mean, it seems to be, maybe be the case um, that everyone you meet around this area seems to be trying to be creative. So even for those people whose jobs don't sound particularly obviously creative, like they might say, you know, I work in a shop or I'm an accountant, then they say, but actually I'm a, in a band or I'm making a short film or I'm trying to start a blog or... Yeah, and, and people kind of wear this creativity on their sleeve. It's more their identity. It's almost as if the personal identity and the meaning of their life is more about their creative pursuits than it is about anything else. So this is what I mean when I say the creative classes, the creative creatives. And you might think to yourself, oh, I'm not particularly creative. Am I, you know, welcomed in this church? Well, no, you're not, so you can leave now. No, I, I'm not joking. Uh, obviously, it's only just one part of the vision statement. You know, we've talked about lots of things. We've talked about the no-religion tribes. We've talked about the spiritual seekers. Um, and we're saying, we just want to be a church that's really sharp in our focus towards these people. Well, it's not hard to show that God loves creativity. As Beckel already said, you know, the opening words of the book of Genesis in the Bible points us to a creative God. And he's made us in his image as creative people. And of course, the Bible is rich in artistic delights. You read through the Bible, you see artists and you see the writers of the books being artistic and creative. And one of the most obvious examples of that is Psalm, the Psalms. And so I thought I'd do Psalm 150 today because I've always loved this psalm. It captures the joy that we have from praising God with music. So let's get into it. You might want to open your booklets too, where it has Psalm 150. My first point is this. Praise the Lord. Verse 1 says, Praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens. So that is a key phrase of this, this uh, psalm. Praise the Lord. In fact, it says it ten times. It's a command. Praise the Lord ten times. Do it now. Psalms 146 to 150 are at the end of the, the book and they kind of serve the conclusion to the whole book of Psalms. And, um, and this is an intense exclamation mark at the end of the 150 Psalms. The Psalms begin in Psalm 1 with this idea that um, 
A good life, a blessed life, is one that lives delighting in the, the Bible, the Torah. And now ends by saying, praise the Lord. And I think that's a good kind of two bookends. Delight in the Bible and praise the Lord. If you, if you made that the motto of your life, then you'd be doing pretty well. Praise is done both in religious settings, but also in the middle of creation. So the second line of the psalm says, praise him in his sanctuary. The poet is trying to get us to picture God in his heavens, heavenly realms, on his throne, surrounded by the angels. If you're going to get a congregation of people to praise God with umption in their gumption to make them function, then they often need a bolt of electricity to get them going. Like sometimes I feel like on a Sunday morning, especially when it's winter and we're setting up and everyone's rocking up to church, I feel like I need to get out a spiritual defibrillator. Is that what you said? Defibrillator. Anyway, it doesn't matter. As long as I know how to use it. Um, you know, I feel like we need to wake up sometimes because it's just hard. We've been, you know, up late and up for dragging the kids in the car and they're screaming and yelling and having had your breakfast. And then suddenly you're at church and you're trying to praise God and it's really hard. Well, uh, the reformer Calvin said, For the psalmist, in order to awaken men who grow languid in God's praises, he bids them lift their eyes towards the heavenly sanctuary. So if you've forgotten how God, how great God is, look up to heaven and be reminded and be inspired. Now, I think that's what artists have been trying to do for centuries. They're trying to get us to lift our heads to the skies. It might be Michelangelo's paintings in the Sistine Chapel, if that turns you on, or it might be Bach's compositions, the St John's and St Matthew's Passion. Throughout my childhood, I remember several times when I was involved in some kind of artistic pursuit, musical usually, where I had a great sense of God. So I remember in year seven, when I was in the Heidelberg Youth Orchestra, and we played Handel's Messiah in at the concert hall. And I remember just getting to the Hallelujah Chorus. And if you've never experienced before, you'll, you'll be blown away because what happens is when you get to the Hallelujah Chorus, the whole audience stands up. That's the tradition that's been going on since Handel's day when George II supposedly did it. And that, to me, was just, oh, just electrifying. You get to, hallelujah, you know, and anyway. I remember in, you know, when I was in youth group, we did a performance of Godspell, and it was pretty daggy in the 70s, and you had the clown makeup on and all of that. But I had a great sense of God's presence in the, in the moment, you know, being lifted to look to the sky at God in his heavenly realms. I got it seeing the Sagrada de Familia Cathedral, Gaudi's Cathedral in Barcelona. I, I got it singing African-American gospel music in New York City. I, in a few months' time, Joe's bought me a ticket to see um, Mavis Staples, one of the greatest um, gospel singers alive, and she's performing at the Melbourne Recital Centre. I'm sure that in seeing that, I'll be lifted to the heavens. A key strategy to fulfilling our vision to inspire the creators is to have a great music at Mary Creek. I want us to sing music that lifts our heads to God. You might think sometimes our music is a little bit borderline in terms of hick. Is that the word? Um, maybe it's a bit sort of yee-haw, knee-slapping, you know? But um, we are in the heartland of country music, so I feel totally justified in all of that. <laughs> 
But also, I think there's something about American gospel folk and country music that can be summarised neatly. You can summarise that whole style as Americana. There's something about it that forces you to kind of um, just be passionate and be aroused, you know, roused towards God. And and I hope um, this year our, our our band will start to write more songs and 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 um, and explore um, more how we can encourage passion in our worship here. See, there's a chemistry that I'm trying to achieve in our worship at Mary Creek where we use the um, formality of the prayers from the prayer book and, and different liturgy sort of prayer, prayer books from different traditions um, and also from the Bible. And then combining that, that formality with the jumping up and down of the Americana worship music. I think there's something good about that. It gets us out of our seats. It stops us from being Anglicans that just stare at the, their toes, you know. Um, I don't want us to be at a funeral each week. So my first point is praise the Lord. My second point should be easy to remember, which is praise the Lord. <laughs> the psalm tells us in verses 1 and 2 who should be praised and why he is praised. Who should be praised? Sorry. That's all right. The one praised is, of course, God, whose sanctuary is above the vault of the heavens. He rules over all. That's the call to praise. Now, here's the reason for the praise. Why? The psalm writer gives, tries to inspire us um, with some obvious reasons. Sometimes it's hard to think of reasons. And Calvin says, meditate upon his power and greatness, which will speedily dispel all such insensibility. Though our minds can never take in this immensity, the mere taste of it will deeply affect us. And God will not reject such praises as we offer according to our capacity. Did you know that in the observable universe, there are 100 billion galaxies? And in our own galaxy, the Milky Way, there are about 300 billion stars. Praise God. Did you know Jesus made a similar point, but he brought it back down to us? And he said, do you know how much God loves you? He knows even how many hairs are on your head. Now praise God. The writer of the Psalms in Psalm 139 made a similar point. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. The Israelites used to remind themselves of God's power over and over again, reminding themselves of the Exodus when they were in slavery in Egypt and that God freed them. And they would remember all kinds of acts of power of God intervening in their history. Um, and even you know when this psalm was sung and used... Either before or after, they were, about to, they were about to leave being in exile in Babylon or maybe they just left being in Babylon and they were just remembering how great God was. God's mighty actions tell us how immeasurable his love is for us. God is creator, king, he's the liberator and so he is worthy of praise. And these are his works of greatness and salvation. If you've been a Christian for a while, no doubt you will have different things that you could think about that might help you to praise the Lord. Um, times when he's powerfully brought you 
out of a difficult situation or times when he's blessed you. Um, for me, I think of my children, the birth of my children. I think of the work he did enabling this church to start. I think of the sick people who have been healed. I think of the broken relationships that have been restored. But there's a mysterious thing that happens when you're a Christian, and I think we saw it a bit in Paddy's letter, that even when everything seems dark around you, and when you're with Jesus, you can have that glow and that joy in the middle of that, that, that suffering. That's the mystery of the kingdom of God. That's the mystery of a relationship with, with Jesus. And it's in those times when we need God the most that sometimes um, it's easiest to be in awe of him. Whatever it is for you, think about the greatness of God. Remind yourself of what he has done in your life and praise the Lord. This is the who and the why of this psalm. But what about the how? How do you praise the Lord? Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. This is how to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord with music, it seems to be saying. And all the instruments here are mentioned would have been used in their, in their worship. It's like a big symphony of praise. If you can imagine all that crashing and banging. The instruments um, in the sun, they get sort of... They, they, they kind of play it, and the second line of the psalm, when it's repeated, gets a bit more intense. Um, I love the, the, the kind of the, the, the Hebrew word for symbols, tzitzel, like sounds like symbols, resounding symbols. Now, the old ladies in the Salvation Army get a bit of a bad rap for playing the tambourine. It is so good for praising, sometimes they get so excited that they just burn away and it's very distracting. Did you know that um, in Edmond, Oklahoma, back in June 2012, an over-enthusiastic tambourine player called Vicky Sue Beiersdorfer was distracting the congregation at the Victory Church in their Wednesday night praise and worship service. This is hilarious. The Oklahoma Country Sheriff's Department spokesman Mark Myers said, nobody could pay attention in the sermon or what she was doing or what was going on. So... Our deputy had to take care of the situation. And so she actually refused to stop playing her tambourine. And the woman was escorted out of an, by this off-duty Oklahoma country sheriff's deputy. And, my, and he, they said he had to physically escort her outside the church. And once outside, she broke free from the deputy and tried to go back inside. And there became a physical confrontation. And according to the rest report, the deputy had to pepper spray her and taser her. <laughs> Now, I've wanted to taser several musicians in church over the years. Never actually gone through with it. Um, sometimes it can be distracting, but do you know what? I think ultimately um, God has given us music to be able to praise God. He's saying, you know, I want you just to give everything. Don't worry if you're going to get tasered. You know, go for it. I think part of what music is about is um, it's moving us from beyond just the intellect the heart. That's partly why God's given us music to worship him. It helps us bond to, together as a, as a community. It helps us ex express what is abstract. It's very hard to say how much you love someone. It's a lot easier to sing a song if you can sing. The former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, made a similar point in his book Silence and Honeycakes. 
the wisdom of the desert. He said this, The temptation is to think that religious education is about bolting on more information. Too often the institution as a whole is pushing tense, driven messages, messages of anxiety about filling up the empty spaces and never wasting time. This can mean that the arts and music and drama, even sport, are pushed to the edges except as um, further forms of competition. In such an atmosphere, whatever you're saying about religious or spiritual matters, what you're doing is breeding atheists because you're creating a shrunken humanity. God has given the church music and the arts and all forms of expression um, as our strongest cards that we can play to the world. We can say, look at what God has done for us and let us express this to, to the world. Let's not hold back. So this is why I try and slip creativity into everything that we do at Mary Creek. This is why I have the pictures on the front. And, uh, you know, try and illustrate every now and again in the booklets. That's why, um, you know, we put effort into things like the videos that we make on the website. This is why um, we put effort into the music and, and we have Libby sometimes painting the pictures. And, you know, it's, it's all part of us trying to experience the joy of humanity. But it's also about the way we want to inspire the creatives. I'm always astounded at the number of people who say that they connected with something creative in the service and that's what really got them thinking that particular day. Um, I've heard that a number of times. Um, So some of the ideas that we've got to encourage the creative classes in the inner north towards praising God with their arts are commissioning art, offering live music recording grants, um, uh, um, getting involved in the council funding of a community art project, maybe doing some kind of public art, having an artist in residence, developing a creative public space for prayer and reflection, getting involved in the communities of festivals, starting a writing project um, such as our blog, Headlight, which Andrew's starting, having a faith film festival at the West Gulf Cinema, hosting open mic nights at the local pubs, having book readings with guest actors for adults and kids, food and art together, talking about the arts and, and, and film in our space at church. Um, these are all just ideas we've had over the last two years and some of which we've been able to start to get to do. We're just wanting to praise the Lord with the arts, with music and all of the arts, with poetry. In fact, we want to praise him with everything we've got. And that's the best way I think we can inspire the creatives. So you get to the end of this section on the instruments and you get this climax with the cymbals crashing and then there's the who should be praising. And he says, the psalmist says, everything that has breath, praise the Lord. This is the summons to the people of the world to praise the Lord. Having breath is um, you know, the most important thing for a human being. Adam received um, his breath of life from God. In Genesis 2 verse 7. All human beings um, have life by God's gift of breath. And at the end of the day, we can lose everything, but if we lose that breath, we're gone ourselves. If God withdraws his breath, we return to the dust, Job said. At the end of the day, this is what is most precious. So it makes us totally dependent on God. The best use of our breath, then, is to praise the Lord with it. The best sound we can make with our breath is to show God how great he is with the sound of praise. 
And this is how the book of Psalms ends. This is actually how the Bible ends in Revelation. One commentator wrote, Every being is to fulfil his or her highest function by praising the Creator. And the psalm leaves out this open ending for the world and for history. Will the faith communities that are to come in the future, with the Israelites, with the Christians, with the church, will they fulfil this summons, this ten times command to praise the Lord? Will they do that? Well, I pray that everyone at Mary Creek will do that. And I pray that our praise will be infectious. Imagine all those country songwriters from the North get suddenly discovering gospel music. Bob Dylan did. Anybody here could too. All those street artists, all those accountants who are, are really, um, you know, poets. All those people who love to read. Imagine them all praising God. And as I finish, let me remind us that God's greatest artwork is a surprising one. It's perhaps what he does in us when he saves us. Because when we have faith in Jesus, God, he takes us as a sketch and he, and he does the final version. He perfects us as his masterpiece, it says in Ephesians 2. We are his poema, which is in Greek, his work of art, his masterpiece, his artefact, his poem. The salvation that God gives us, therefore, is not our achievement, but rather we've been created by God in Christ Jesus. So praise the Lord.